Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to the South End Zone Podcast here on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. I'm with Eric Mulhair. This week, uh, Timmy and Hunter are off the grid with uh, COVID and work and God knows what else. So, Eric, what's up, man? How you doing? Same old stuff. Doing well. Uh, just us two flying this week, but we will. Uh, I think we'll be fine. We'll get through it okay, uh, since there's only the, the one thing we're talking about, or in this case, the one person. So let's... Uh, We'll, we'll take a look at the life and times of one James Harbaugh. Oh, indeed. Is it warm down there where you're at in Georgia? Is it warm? Not really. Um, no? I mean, it's 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 Georgia cold. So it it's uh, like overnight lows in the mid to low 40s. And it's it's usually nice like during the day. In the afternoon, it's it's fine. But yeah, for, for here, it's chilly. Damn. I miss that weather down there. Ooh. Well, this time of year's weather, it's fucking 20 degrees here. So, uh, all right. So for our listeners, what we're going to do this week, we're going to do a sort of a coaching deep dive and we'll, we'll do these, uh, a handful of times this off season for, you know, candidates we deem interesting. And we're going to start it off with, uh, you know, I, I would say, one of the most polarizing head coaching figures out there in college football. I don't think anybody would really disagree with that. Uh, yeah, Jim Harbaugh, the head coach of Michigan. So, uh, yeah. So starting it off, the reason we decided to, to kind of do this was because of some, you know, coaching rumors with some interest in some NFL to the Raiders and Eric. We we touched on that last week a little bit, but <laughs> I it's like I said, I think he's sort of. I think he's sort of fishing. Like I think he's telling his agent to put those rumors out there. Do you, am I wrong? I don't know. That's part of the reason we wanted to talk about this guy is I don't think anyone really understands him enough to know what he's thinking. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I know. I think anyone speculating on his future is doing just that, just speculating. And I don't know that anyone really has any sort of insight into the inner workings of his mind. I'm not sure Jim Harbaugh knows what his future. Right. Is yeah. Sometimes really. that includes him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, he's got a, a one track kind of like five minutes in front of my face type of demeanor to him, to me. He, I, he I does. I, I don't see but, him as a guy who's making plans for 10 years down the road. No, not really. And that's part of the reason we're, we're talking about him is we, we had discussed, uh, you know, coming up with uh, a number of coaches to maybe took a little, take a little deeper look into um and he was one of them and we decided to do him first because of that speculation so 
uh, for anyone who doesn't follow the NFL all that closely, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, you know, they obviously parted ways with John Gruden earlier in the season, and then they fired their GM, Mike Mayock. And I guess the speculation is that Jim Harbaugh supposedly has a contract extension offer on the table. He may be waiting to see what happens with the Raiders GM hire uh, to decide if that if that head coach job is something he wants to pursue or if he's just going to stay where he's at. So uh, it's not entirely clear he's going to be on the sidelines in Ann Arbor next fall. So we figured we'd do this now while he is currently the head coach at Michigan. All right. So now I don't know anything about this uh this category, this mystery category. So, what what have you got for me? Is it a what is it a factor a factor of fiction? Is that it? What yeah. It, it uh, so when we discussed this, uh, we had kind of planned on on uh, having three here, uh, and I was going to play a little bit of a game, kind of like we did at the last episode with uh, Coach Most Likely to. But in the course of uh, kind of studying up on Jim Harbaugh's background, both on the field and off, uh, I came across a number of uh, kind of fun facts, and to me. Um, like you said, he's sort of polarizing. I guess I learned some stuff about him that I didn't maybe realize, or I wasn't, when I look at him as a coach, I wasn't thinking in certain terms. And I, you know, some stuff surprised me a little bit. I learned some stuff about him the last couple of days that I wish I would not have learned. (laughs) There's some stuff I wish I could unsee. Yeah, true. Um, there's that, but there's also kind of, you know, the other sort of interesting, but uh, so no, I came up with, uh, looks like, uh, eight things. And, uh, what I was going to do was make kind of a game of it, uh, and have, you know, I was going to make eight statements and have you and Timmy decide if it was an actual fact about Jim Harbaugh or something I completely made up. Hmm. I'm pretty, uh, I, I think I'm pretty good at calling your bullshit. So I, all right. I think well, I, I mean, we can I, give it a shot. It might be more fun, you know, if it were a competition with you and Timmy, but we can still get through some of these cause there, there's a few interesting tidbits in here that I didn't see coming. All right. Well, hit me with it. What do you got? Okay. So the first one, fact or fiction, Jim Harbaugh has a 70, has won 70% of his college games as a head coach. Hmm. 70%. Yep. I'm going to go with fact. I mean, ultimately his records are pretty good, especially when he was at Stanford. I mean, they won double digit games there a handful of times. I, I, I don't know. I would say fact 70%. That's it's got to be pretty close to that. It's very close. It is uh it is 70% exactly oh. uh, and it is a fact. He is 119 and 51 as a college coach. Are you kidding me? That includes stops at the University of San Diego, Stanford, uh and Michigan. Hmm. Yeah, I knew he started at San Diego State, but I had I, I honestly have no idea what his record there was. If I'm of course I'm sure it was probably pretty good if he got the Stanford job. So yeah, we'll we'll touch on it in a little bit, but you might be surprised uh, at some of these numbers as far as where he's done well and where, you know, how well he was at each stop or how, how good he was at each stop. Uh, but moving on for fact or fiction, uh, number two, uh, fact or fiction, Jim Harbaugh was an NFL MVP. That would be fiction. I'm almost positive that's a fiction. That is a fiction, although he was the MVP runner-up in 1995. Okay, yeah, because I knew he, if I'm not mistaken, he finished like second or third in Heisman Trophy voting at one point. I know he finished pretty high up on some awards lists, but yeah. Okay, well then, yeah, that was actually number five, was a Heisman finalist, and that's a fact. He was was third in the voting in 1987. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I knew I knew he was on in the running for the Heisman back when he was a college player, but 
Yeah, NFL MVP, no. I know he started, what, five seasons for the Bears? Or, well, he played for them for five years, started for a couple. Yeah. I mean, they, he went from there to, what, the Colts? Isn't that right? Yeah, the Colts, and then I think the Chargers. Yeah, Chargers and a couple of years bouncing around, Ravens and, you know, whatever. But, yeah, yeah definitely but, yeah, fiction. He was a runner-up in 95, which is probably his best year as a professional. He was at the Colts. He was a comeback player of the year and went to the Pro Bowl. And, uh, All right, number three has had four losing seasons in his career as a head coach. Only four. Uh, I'm going to say fiction. I think it's more. <laughs> I think it's more. Uh, it, it is fiction, and it is less. Less? He had two losing seasons at Stanford and one at Michigan. Are you kidding me? And he has finished 500 or better every year other than those. Holy shit. Damn, maybe we're a little bit too hard on Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, there's some kind of... The, the further you dig in on his actual coaching career, it's a little bit eye-opening, you know, as far as his results versus his reputation. But we'll get to that. How about that? Two losing seasons in his entire career. Damn. He's been co- and he's been coaching since what? Let's see here. 2004? Yeah, his first year at San Diego, uh, University of San Diego, was in 2004. Hmm. Well, I would have thought it was more. Damn. <laughs> I think a lot of people would. Yeah, I agree. He he doesn't get much love, you know, especially with the Michigan fan base, and I don't know. Yeah, and I, and I understand why, but I think it might be a little overblown. But we'll uh, we'll dig into the Michigan years a little a little bit. Uh, All right. So we already talked about uh, five. You said so. Which was we the already talked about number five, but but number four is fact or fiction. He has a better winning percentage as an NFL head coach than Bill Belichick. No way! Don't tell me that's true. Better that's winning percentage. True. No, that is what? a fact. <laughs> what? How many? Yeah, that can't be right. So in five seasons, eleven to what? Uh, two thousand eleven is when he started there. Eleven to fourteen. Yeah, he was there four years. Four years, and he's got a better winning percentage than Bill Belichick. Yep, he has a NFL winning percentage of six eighty eight, and Bill Belichick is at six six nine. You play to win the game. Because you got to remember, he had Bill Belichick had a couple of sub five hundred years in Cleveland in the nineties. So if you take out the Cleveland years, then then Belichick is over seventy percent and has him. But NFL as a whole, Jim Harbaugh has a better winning percentage than Bill Belichick. Damn, wouldn't have ever thought of that. Phew. Okay, so we got number five. Number six, uh, fact or fiction, Jim Harbaugh has been arrested for driving under the influence. He has been arrested for driving under the influence, 100%. 2005, is that right? 2005? 2005, okay, yeah, so you found that one in your in your research? Yeah, he pleaded not guilty and then came back and took a plea deal that included, yeah, like, you know, just a bunch of Like bullshit. reckless or something? Yeah, 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 reckless driving and, you know came back and paid some fines, you know, did some fucking bullshit community service and took three years of probation, I think. So, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that until the other day. Um, I didn't either. And at some point I would like to dig into the details of that arrest, but you know, that, uh, I would love to find that mugshot somewhere. hundred percent chance he's smiling. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause he wasn't like, I mean, he, he blew a 0.09. So it's not like he was, you know, that, you know I mean? It's not like the Tiger Woods mugshot. Where he looks yeah. half comatose. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, number seven, fact or fiction, Jim Harbaugh has bowled a 300 game. <laughs> no, no way he bowls 300. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I don't know that he has, so I'm calling it fiction. That, that's one I just made up. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was like, no, no fucking way. He's ever yeah, no, bold. That is that is fiction to the best of my knowledge. <laughs> yeah, I was calling bullshit on that. I was like, no way. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, he's like somewhat athletic for an older guy, but I don't see Harbaugh as the type to show up to the alley and just crush the pins. No way. Yeah, I don't think he takes enough time away from football to to practice bowling enough to even be good enough to get lucky. All right, last one. Uh, if Timmy was here, this was going to be the tiebreaker, but we'll we'll include it in the regular list. Fact or fiction, Jim Harbaugh has appeared on an episode of Saved by the Bell. <sighs> this is a total guess, but I'm going to guess that he has. He has he appeared because that seems like a very Jim Harbaugh thing to do. Yeah. Uh, he, he was on an episode. He, believe it or not, he played Screech's cousin What on an episode of Saved by the Bell in, I want to say 1994 or 96. That blows my mind. Like what, who's going to Jim Harbaugh saying, Hey Jim, you want to be on Saved by the Bell? Like, I don't get that. Right. Like how far down their list was he? (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, 94, what was he doing in 94? Yeah. So he's the quarterback for the Colts. And he's moonlighting as an actor on Saved by the Bell. What the actual F? Yep. It's, it's a very Jim Harbaugh thing to do, I guess. But yeah, uh, it was just kind of some stuff that uh, I came across. And I was like, wow, that's kind of wild. And, you know, like the Bill Belichick thing. I would have never guessed uh, that. But And I was surprised at how few losing seasons he's had because how he's been looked at as far as his what he's done at Michigan so far. Well, funny, uh, funny tidbit I found. <laughs> You know, we di- we discussed Harbaugh getting arrested uh, for DUI in 05. But were you aware that in 1988, he was arrested in Chicago for disorderly conduct? No. Yes. Bears quarterback Jim Harbaugh arrested on a disorderly conduct charge early Monday at a Rush Street Tavern after ignoring a police warning to stop yelling obscenities and leave the area. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Harbaugh was shouting obscenities to a crowd that included plainclothes police officers at Shenanigans, 16 West Street, Division Street. So the officers identified themselves, police officers investigating another disturbance. Harbaugh showed up and started shouting obscenities at them again. They tried to take him into custody, but Harbaugh ran away. They chased him back to Shenanigans where he was arrested in the basement. This says it's kind of hard. This is a quote from one of the police officers says it's kind of hard to disturb the peace in that area. People are always loud. He must have been really obnoxious. Evidently, he got way out of line. Yikes. So nothing in that quote is terribly surprising. No disorderly conduct, shouting obscenities at police officers. So that guy's been an outlaw from day one. (laughs) Yeah, I, I did not know that until today. Interesting fact. Yeah, I didn't know it until two minutes ago. Oh. <laughs> yeah, multiple arrests on our boy Harbaugh's record. Total outlaw. Right, yeah. If, if you'd have given me the over-under of 0.5 lifetime arrests for Jim Harbaugh, I probably would have taken the under. Yeah, well, he's he's at two arrests and oh, uh, goodness. Been, <laughs> been, been booked twice. So, at least to my knowledge, that that's the only uh, other running with the law that I could find. But yeah, total outlaw, just screaming fuck you to the police. Uh, well, speaking of uh, speaking of over-unders and books, uh, you want to tell us about our, tell the listeners about our corporate sponsors over at DraftKings before we move on to uh, 
the the background of Jim Harbaugh? Absolutely, I can do that. So, and we know there are. Uh, well, as we are recording this, there are still four teams that remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in the NFL. Uh, new customers can get fifty-six to one odds on any team. Bet just five dollars, and you get two hundred and eighty in free bets if your team wins. Uh, if you're not a new customer, that's no big deal. You can still experience the conference championship with the same game parlays. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required, one per customer restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. So now that we have got the front end of this, facts and fiction and crazy tidbits out of the way, uh, we're going to get into a, a little bit of Harbaugh's like background here, starting from the beginning, I suppose. Childhood, playing career, all that good stuff. Yep. So. You know, basically what I saw is he got dragged around pretty much his, uh, most of his life with his dad coaching. Yeah, and I think that's a big part of, of why Jim Harbaugh is the way he is, you know, as far as just a, a single-minded football nut is because, you know, most, most football fans know that his brother John coaches the Baltimore Ravens and has for a number of years. But, um, you know, like you said, he, he bounced around a lot because his dad was a, an assistant coach at a number of different schools. Um, all the way up until, you know, even when, when Jim Harbaugh was playing professionally. Uh, yeah, because what, what I read was, uh, his, let's see, his dad was at Moorhead State, Bowling Green, Iowa, Michigan, Stanford, Western Michigan. So, I mean, it, one thing that I could not find, and I don't know if you ended up finding it, was if he was like a multiple sport guy. Everything I read was just about football. I couldn't find if he was like a good athlete off the football field. That frustrates the shit out of me. I don't know. I So... Not not to get too sidetracked here, but uh, in addition to his dad and brother being football coaches, uh, he has a sister who is married to a guy named Tom Crean, who is the men's basketball coach at the University of Georgia, and I believe previously was Indiana. Huh. Um, and I remember reading in an article sometime back about how the Harbaugh brothers go to occasionally when they can go to either sit in on basketball practice or maybe even go to a game if they're, if it, you know, if it works out logistically. And I remember Jim Harbaugh saying something about, you know, I played basketball in high school and I feel like I know a good bit about basketball, but, but Tom Crean knows more about football than I do about basketball, right? As far as like the roles being reversed for, for coaching. Hmm. So, and it's just kind of a mention in passing that he played high school basketball. I think a lot of guys who, who played professionally when he did are probably like that where they played uh, multiple sports in high school and didn't specialize as much as kids do today. Well, hopefully he's in better shape than he was the last time we saw him play basketball with his shirt off. So I don't know. If hopefully. You, yeah. Fingers I, crossed. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that tidbit with him out there looking like an 80 year old man, all flabby playing skins basketball like that. Gross, dude. Like you got a recruit standing there watching and he's like waiting two hours for you to get done, and he eventually just leaves, and you don't even talk to him. Like I, I don't know, man. This guy's got a, this guy's got a couple of screws loose. Yeah, but yeah, uh, he's one hundred percent the type of guy who would who would be all about playing some shirts versus skins. Uh, 
outside of that, man, I didn't really find any like interesting like tidbits about his high school days that he was a troublemaker or anything like that. It was pretty much everything I read was sports related. So, yeah. Uh, so the one thing I didn't know is that he split his high school years between Ann Arbor, Michigan and Palo Alto, California, uh, oh. because his dad was an assistant at Michigan and then at Stanford. So he graduated high school in Palo Alto. Uh, and I just thought it was kind of unique because he ended up coaching in both of those places himself. Uh, and I didn't know that beforehand, but yeah, uh, he started high school in Ann Arbor, finished high school in Palo Alto, and then went back to Ann Arbor for college to play. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Played for Bo Schimbeckler. So, phew, man. And he, uh, now to my understanding, he was not, I know that when he went to college, he was not like a big dog. He was like third on the depth chart. And, you know, back then, like, freshmen did not start a quarterback for major colleges like Michigan. That shit did not happen. Right. Back then, back then, like, freshman, you were an automatic redshirt. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, he, he, you know, then he was uh, third stringer as a redshirt freshman. And then what was his redshirt sophomore year? He eventually, he, he, he worked his way into some starts there and then started his last two years yeah. full time. Yeah, and finished third in the Heisman his senior season. So yeah, and they I know they won double digit games like both of those years as a starter. So he was like pretty good player, but I, you know, like I said, he did he didn't set the world on fire coming in. But I mean, like back then, man, it's just such a. I would say like looking at his career, like he was kind of an out an outlier that he could throw the ball as well as he could because there wasn't a ton of guys that could really sling it back then. It's mostly like run yeah. he- run heavy type offenses. Right. So guys like him and Herb Street, who all Big Ten quarterback type guys back in the day, those are dudes to, you know, if they were if they were born 30 years later, they'd be Stetson Bennett. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they they would get zero serious looks and and kind of have to claw and scratch their way up. But you know, you read about his college career and kind of how it shook out, and there's some kind of Stetson Bennett vibes there. Like no one is really super impressed with his athleticism or and and really thought he was going to be much coming in and he worked his way up worked his way up and ended up being all right well and what's so funny like you look at the differences in like how the the heisman trophy voting is now versus how it was then like look at harbaugh's numbers his uh senior year 2729 yards passing 10 touchdowns and 11 picks (laughs) he finished and finished third in the heisman trophy voting like what the hell and uh, any any guesses on who won the Heisman Trophy in 1986 off the top of your head? Was it 86 or 87? 86. Six. I don't think that was Bo Jackson. I think he was 1985. It would be Vinny Testaverde. Vinny? Mm. Vinny. <laughs> yes, indeed. Say, that, that's after Bo Jackson. It's before Barry Sanders. And I couldn't. Okay, yeah. Vinny, that makes sense. Yep. So finished third in Heisman Trophy voting behind Vinny Testaverde. Won all kinds of honors that season, um, you know, all conference, third in the Heisman. He was AP All-American, all conference, like I said. I mean, just the dude lit it up that year. Ten touchdowns, 11 picks. <laughs> yes. Well, relative to his era, he lit it up. Yeah. 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 So, and uh, to my understanding, he like, uh, until like 2004 or five, he still held most of the passing records at Michigan. So. Yeah, probably quite a bit. Yeah, pretty pretty crazy that he did that in like two seasons and those records weren't broke for another like 20 plus years. So, interesting. Okay, and then so after after all of that and his all of his awards, graduates from Michigan and gets drafted in the first round by the Bears in 87. 
26th overall. Yeah, and a guy like him would get drafted in the first round zero times. <laughs> yeah. Like in you know, now. Yeah, uh, now. That's kind of how much the game has changed in thirty years. Oh yeah. And you gotta think, I mean, this is like two years removed from the eighty five Bears. Arguably the greatest defense that's ever stepped on a football field. So Right. Yeah. yeah. So they're thinking, okay, you know, we've got we've got all these guys still on defense and he was, you know, who is our, our heir apparent to Jim McMahon? Yeah. <laughs> and and he was gonna be you know, he was going to be that guy. Yeah. You know, you look at in his NFL career uh, outside of 1995, I think the, the word that best describes him, you know, his time as a professional is journeyman. Um, he was just kind of a, a middling starter for a, a handful of different teams. And, you know, he, he played well in 90, in 95. He was MVP runner up, like we talked about. And outside of that, he was kind of an off and on starter for a number of different teams. Um, the Bears, the Colts, the Ravens, Chargers. Yeah, my... My favorite tidbit that I took away from his playing career was one game where he he was the quarterback for the Bears, and he I guess he made like an ill-advised uh, audible at the line of scrimmage, and Ditka like got absolutely just pissed about it and just lit into him, and so just went full Ditka, <laughs> full full Ditka, and like you know he throws a pick for six against the Vikings. It goes the other way. They score. They end up losing the game and. After the game, Ditka's like, oh, well, you know, if the if the player knows more than the coach, and that's a problem, and if it continues to go that way, then there's going to be changes made, and there's and they're going to be permanent. And then they cut to Harbaugh, and he's like smiling, got like a shit smile on his face. He's like, yeah, that audible probably wasn't a good call. But, uh, you know, it's Mike's team. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> so yeah, I, I can see Aaron just, Ditka just airing his ass out in public. Oh, I- oh yeah. Oh man, it, you could tell it was just like a, it had to be like a constrained working relationship between those two. I mean, you look at Ditka and Harbaugh and you couldn't like have two personalities that are further apart than that. What do you care? Yeah. The personality not meshing with others is, has kind of been a theme in his co- in his coaching career as well. Oh yeah. I, I know I touched on it last episode where one of his NFL colleagues talked about, you can't have more than like a five minute conversation with him. Because he starts to wonder and <laughs> drift, and you don't know what the fuck he's talking about. And you're just like, dude, I got to get out of here. And I don't know. He just kind of spoke to where the guy has trouble like maintaining relationships with people because people just get sick and tired of dealing with him. And I think that's kind of what happened when he was at San Francisco, you know, because it's not like they kicked him out for losing. No, no, it's not. There was no mutual agreement there of like, hey, I'm just going to go to Michigan. You guys were great. And thanks. They were like, yeah, coach, find another job. Yeah, he was effectively fired there. Yeah. But anyway, to round out his playing career, yeah, he bounced around kind of a journeyman, like you said, mostly with Chicago and Indiana and then bounced around Baltimore, San Diego, finished on a couple of one and 15 teams. Didn't go all that well. He finished out in 2001 and really, I guess his really actual coaching career would have started with uh, like 2002, like Oakland. Yep. So he started out as the quarterback's coach for Oakland under Bill Callahan. So we kind of talked about he was uh, like a volunteer assistant coach helping his dad at Western Kentucky uh, while he was still playing. But when he finished playing and went full-time coaching, uh, his, his first gig was with the Raiders as a quarterback coach when the year they went to the Super Bowl and Rich Gannon was the MVP. Oh, yeah. There you go. I didn't think about that. Yeah, 2002, 2003. Yeah, no shit. Shows up and he's a QB coach and they, <laughs> Rich Gannon wins the MVP. Holy shit. 
Yeah, that dude was like 35. Parlays that into a head coaching job in college. Damn. Yeah, so that's kind of the weird thing is his first college job uh, was as a head coach. He didn't do the position coach or even a coordinator role. He went right into, here's the keys to the University of San Diego. It's got to make you. It's got to make you wonder if he like knew somebody there. How many guys that are two years out of the NFL <laughs> been a coordinator for one seat? Not even a coordinator, a position coach in the NFL show up and get a head coaching job at a college like San Diego State. You know, I, I don't know. That's kind of weird. Yeah, I would assume he knew somebody. Uh, yeah, at the University of San Diego in 2004, he got that job. That's a that's an FCS school. They play in the Pioneer League. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm thinking San Diego State. No, this is Yeah, FCS. I thought San Diego State for a long time, but it's it's University of San Diego, which is, and they're in the Pioneer League, which is a really unique conference. Okay. So, yeah, that makes more sense, though, if it's an FCS school. I mean, yeah, he's a long-time NFL guy. I mean, that's not too far-fetched, I don't think. Yeah. The, the Pioneer League is really kind of strange because they are, that's a conference that has schools everywhere. Like most conferences are semi-geographical. The Pioneer League has schools in like Florida, Ohio, California, the Carolinas. Uh, it's really kind of strange, but but yeah, he did well there. Um, first year, seven and four, you know, so decent start. And then he went eleven and one and won the conference the following two seasons. Damn. So oh yeah, three okay. year stretch. And- yeah, I got it here. It's <laughs> finished just seven and four, but he won five straight to end the season. Whoa! So it was not going well, and they turned it around. <laughs> 11 and 1 and 11 and 1 the next two years. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Yep. So he goes to San Diego and uh, goes 29 and 6 in three seasons, uh, wins the conference twice, and he parlays that into a job at Stanford. Now, he got off to a rough start there. So in 07, he went 4 and 8, and then he backed that up in 2008 with 5 and 7. So those are, those are two of his three losing seasons as a head coach uh, right out of the gate at Stanford. So it sounds bad, but. When you consider where Stanford was at uh, prior to him showing up, from 2002 to 2006, they were 16 and 40. We suck. Ugh, that's bad. So they're, they're kind of like they are now. Uh, yeah, pretty so, much. They, they haven't changed much outside of his tenure there. Yeah, so five years leading up to him, they're 16 and 40. Then they go four and eight, five and seven. So you're starting to think uh, more of the same. Then in 2009, he kind of turns the corner and goes eight and five. Uh, so he gets bowl eligible. And then 2010, um, went, they went, uh, well, I guess they went 11 and one and then won the orange bowl to finish 12 and one. Uh, that was the first year of Andrew Luck starting. Oh, was that the, the Toby Gerhardt days? Uh, yes. Ah, yeah. That guy, man, forgot about him. The only thing I I remember from, uh, the only thing I remember from Harbaugh's time at Stanford was when he stirred up all that shit with Pete Carroll <laughs> saying that he's going to oh. leave after this season. I heard it from a source inside USC staff and yep. everybody shit themselves. Yeah. And Carroll was there for like three more years. Now, Pete Carroll also uh, in 2009, they won at USC. They won 55 to 21. And that was the, the what's your deal game. Uh, so Stanford is playing in the Coliseum and they are just roughing up USC. And this is an eight and five team. This isn't like even the really good Stanford team. And Harbaugh's chucking it down the field at the end of the game. He's up four touchdowns and and he's running it up. And, you know, the post game handshake and, you know, Pete Carroll's like, hey, man, what's your deal? Harbaugh's like, I don't know what's your deal. 
and they get the, <laughs> the little back and forth between two incredible weirdos. Like, it's like, wow, are these dudes like trying to talk trash to each other or they argue? They don't even know what they're doing. They're just talking to, you know, uh, but also in 07, that first year as a four and eight team, uh, they, they won at USC that year as well. Oh, and I remember this game. This was, they, th- what, wasn't this like the, like the most lopsided Vegas line ever? Yes. This is per Vegas lines, I believe, the biggest upset in FBS history. They they won twenty four to twenty three at USC as a forty one point underdog. Forty one points? You kidding me? I'd forgot. I remember the game. Like I remember when it happened, but I I had no idea. It was I mean I was fucking I was what eighteen years old back then. I yeah. had no. I, I wasn't betting back then. Good lord, forty one point underdog. <laughs> Yep, on the road. And oh out. God, man! Talk about adding just salt in the wound. Says Carol's gonna leave, causes a bunch of shit, and then upsets him as a forty-one point dog later in the year. Ouch. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, so in four years at Stanford, he was twenty-nine and twenty-one, uh, which isn't great, but he got better every year. Right, the record improved every year, and when you consider where they were at before him, you know, I think you can say a pretty decent job he did there. And he parlays that into a job with the San Francisco 49ers. Mm. So I don't know uh, how much NFL you were watching back then or if you were primarily college. No, I was, you know, I I kept up with it enough to, uh, you know, be dangerous. Yeah. So he goes to the 49ers who had been terrible. Yeah. This was after they fired Singletary, right? Yep. So his first year in San Francisco was 2011. Previous to that, San Francisco's last winning record was 2002. We just got our ass totally kicked. Nine years of losing seasons. So they were 26 and 38 in the previous four seasons to him showing up. So what does he do in year one? Well, you should know that. Goes 13 and three NFC championship game. <laughs> Damn. Like, like right out the gate, like, hey, I'm going to win the division and I'm, I'm, I'm making a playoff run. Jesus. Um, follows that up in 2012 with an 11, four and one season. Uh, that was the year they went to the Super Bowl. And in 2013, he goes 12 and four and again gets to the NFC championship game. And in all three of those years, they got knocked out by the eventual Super Bowl winner. So the Giants, the Ravens and the Seahawks. And then in 2014, he goes, uh, he goes eight and eight. I, if I remember right, they had some quarterback injuries. It sounds like there was a lot of strife uh, as far as like almost like power struggle with uh, the GM, uh, Trent Balky, who is now in Jacksonville, and they're struggling to find a head coach because the speculation is that no one wants to work with that guy. That's what I was going to kind of point out. Like, there's a lot of rumblings about how hard Harbaugh is to deal with. But I mean, if you're averaging 11 or 12 wins a season, I mean, and then you have one eight day year and they. Yeah, an average Jim Harbaugh season in San Francisco was eleven and five. Is, is kind of what it comes out to. He has one eight and eight season, and then you just like get rid of him. Yeah, and then you know what they did? Take a guess what they did the next four seasons. We couldn't do diddly poo. They went seventeen and forty seven the next four years. <laughs> they lost ten games plus every season for four years after that. Ugh. We suck. And that's that's one thing I didn't realize until I started kind of digging in on this guy is it's not so much just that he wins a lot of football games, but it's if you look at where teams were before and after him compared to when he was there, and it's kind of jarring at, at how much sort of, uh, you know, above the waterline he is, you know, compared to, you know, you look at the four years before him and four years after him in San Francisco, and it is a total nightmare. <laughs> but 
You know, they won 11 games a year while he was there. And they with, barely won 11 games the four seasons after that total. Like, they're <laughs> with, terrible. With a combination of Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick. Right. And so, and so it's, it's kind of weird. It, that's what I meant earlier when I was talking about his, his reputation versus results. Cause he's kind of got a reputation as a, you know, middling average, you know, good, but not great coach. And, you know, his results might lead you to think otherwise, but uh, in any case, yeah, it didn't. However, it didn't work out in San Francisco. It didn't work out. Um, yeah, it does. Go. It does make you wonder. Like, is it just his? Like right. His, is he that much of a pain in the ass where yes. you just can't? Yeah, I, he must be. But I don't understand it. That like after going and back and hearing that, like, why? <laughs> why would an NFL team not want the guy? I don't know. That's weird. That goes to three NFC championships in four seasons and a Super Bowl and. Yeah, like like Man. eight and eight. That was his worst season in four years. Like there's teams in the league who haven't been eight and eight in five years. Yeah. That's and crazy. So yeah, they let him go and he goes to Michigan because, you know, Michigan had been struggling. You know, it, it wasn't going well for Brady Hoke. And he, so he goes back to Michigan, his alma mater. He's going to come in there and save the day. Uh, you know, they were 20 and 18 the previous three years. And they're hmm. coming off a, a five and seven season in 2014. So they're not bad, right? They're not completely in the tank, right? They're not Arizona or Kansas, but they're not Michigan either, right? Like that's not 20. Yeah, I don't think they've Michigan been Michigan standard. until this year. <laughs> <laughs> this is- well, I mean, they have and they haven't. So you look at his, his first two seasons, I mean, they're pretty good. I mean, he went 10 and three both years. Um, and, you know, and that's not, great necessarily but for your first two years at a new school it's um i mean it's definite improvement on the previous but uh dipped down to eight and five in 2017 but then he went 10 and three again in 2018 and nine and four so you know outside of the one goofy covid year in 2020 where he went two and four i mean his record at michigan's really good he's like 59 and 20 damn that is crazy i mean that yeah i mean there's been some kind of i don't know the the one thing that I that like I can't put my finger on with Harbaugh is the recruiting. Like that that's the biggest thing that like makes me like question him as a college football coach. Like NFL, you don't have to recruit. So maybe that's right. what he's better suited to do. And based on the results, I would say that is what he's better suited to be as an NFL coach. But like the recruiting nonsense that you constantly hear about this guy. Years ago, it was the satellite camps that he's hosting down south and, yep, you know, all that kind of BS. And Saban, you know, was pissed about it and there was a bunch of uproar over that. But now they've just gotten weirder and weirder. Like, the, like, like you said, the, you touched on it last week, I think, where, you know, the guy shows up to recruiting visit and just decides he's going to like do some squats. Yeah, just bang out some squats. Yep. Yeah. Why not? Throw 135 on the bar and put it on the internet. Like. I mean, what, what are we doing coach? And then it's become somewhat of a semi-regular thing for him to spend the night at recruits houses. Did you know that? Yeah. 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 It's super weird. What the fuck? Like if I, I got no words, like why the hell would you, I I don't get it. That's weird. Like, yeah, man, I'm going to come and sleep over. What, what, how did those conversations go? I'm not even sure how that, yeah. How did that even happen? That is the weirdest shit. I mean, you're having a conversation with an 18 year old kid or 17 year old kid. You're going to go spend the night at his house and like sleep on his floor in his bedroom. 
Yeah, like hey, yeah, fire up the Xbox and make sure we got plenty of Mountain Dew and Doritos and what? I, like, I I don't know, I don't understand it. That's the weirdest shit that I've ever heard. Like digging yeah. it, that that's like a rabbit hole that I started to go down and I just stopped myself. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going any further down this hole because I don't like the implications that I'm heading towards. Yeah, you know, I, I think he's kind of. Well, we all think he's kind of maxed out in his results at Michigan uh, this year just because of the recruiting piece and how talented of a roster can he build there. Yeah, because we saw they, you know, they go eleven and one, but then they they run into they run into Georgia, and those those really kind of one sided. It makes you wonder, like, can he close that talent gap recruiting at Michigan? And I don't know that he can. I mean, it, he's been there how many seasons now? What eight? Is this? Uh, he just finished up year seven year seven yeah and to this point he has not had a quarterback yet that was really worth a shit i mean that yeah no i'd agree with that i mean that's that's to me the biggest like just like what the fuck is going on because he's supposedly like this quarterback guru you know coach rich gannon to an mvp as an assistant and a qb coach and did all yeah, that co- he did with Andrew Luck and then, you know, with Kaepernick and Alex Smith. And then he comes to Michigan and can't get a fucking quarterback. Yeah. Just can't get one. Yeah, and, and he's brought in guys who are high, highly regarded as, as far as, you know, recruit like uh, Wilson Spate and, and kind of those guys, you know, guys who were looked at as higher level recruits, but he just hasn't, yeah, he hasn't turned it into what I would call elite quarterback play on the field. No, no, it's not even close to that. It's, average at best you know it's just every year it's like oh well who's michigan got a quarterback this year some average joe who doesn't have an elite arm who can't really run all that well and they're just gonna slug their way through the season just like they did this year with great defense and a running game (laughs) you know yeah i don't i don't really understand it for him to be the quarterback guru and he just can't find one similar situation in texas with A&M, Jimbo, he's been there, what, four or five seasons yeah. now? They can't find a quarterback, and he's like this quarterback guru. Right, and that, I mean, and that was kind of the genesis of his his exit at Florida State. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, we'll, we'll get into it in a future episode, because we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, some programs uh, kind of who are looked at as like blue bloods that have sort of fallen on hard times and how they got there and how they get back. But, you know, Florida State going so downhill all the, like they so did. So all the Florida schools, basically? well yeah pretty much um but yeah florida state going downhill like they did a lot of that is because jimbo missed on like three straight quarterbacks out of high school all except for famous Jameis. yeah he was he and he was the last one because after that it was like you ever watch uh last chance you no do you know what it is oh okay yeah last chance you it's about uh i do remember that now it's about uh what is that it's that community college in Mississippi. What's it called? Okay, yeah. So the first two seasons are East Mississippi Community College. Yeah, and the East second, Mississippi the community. second two seasons or seasons three and four, I guess, are uh, Independence Community College in Independence, Kansas. Uh, and then there was a fifth season at a place in Oakland. But both, uh, like the first three seasons of that show, because it's year by year by year, right? Mm-hmm. The first three seasons of that show all had a quarterback who transferred from Florida State three years in a row. <laughs> Good grief. Um, and that kind of, you know, well, if they're if they're at East Mississippi, then they're not at Florida State. Well, who's at Florida State? You know, and that's kind of how they ran into that is, 
you know, he, he recruited some quarterbacks and none of them worked out. Next guy didn't work out and the next guy didn't work out. And pretty soon, you know, he's not happy because he's not winning games. He's not getting the money he wants. And, but yeah, that's, that's a big reason to do it. And Harbaugh is kind of in that same boat where you would, you would think that, that he, he could go out and recruit, you know, a, a CJ Stroud type of, you know, but he, but he hasn't. Yeah, I don't really understand it. And plus, growing up in a place like Palo Alto, you know, with the quarter, so many good quarterbacks that are from that area, like Stroud, Bryce Young, Matt Corral's from there, like all these dudes, like you figure it's like, hey, coach, why the fuck can't you get a guy like that? <laughs> I don't, I don't understand it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's, uh, I don't know, it, it does boggle the mind because if you're, if you're a high school quarterback, like in this college coach, say, hey, come play for me. Well, this guy played in the NFL for a decade. You would you would think to be like, oh god, this guy knows what I what it takes, like what I need to do. He he played in the NFL for ten years. He coached, you know, he coached in the Super Bowl. Like this is a guy who can get me ready to go to the NFL. But yeah, like the dude made Colin Kaepernick look good. Yeah, you know, and so I don't know, kind of baffling. And I think that's probably part of the reason he his his time at Michigan is looked at as I don't want to say underachieving. But I mean, he's 61 and 24 there. I mean, that's pretty good. But, you know, up until this season, he was staring hot seat right in the face. Oh, yeah. And like they were ready to let him. I mean, he he put up four nine win seasons in six years and they were like, "Eh, we don't know if we want to keep you around (laughs) because despite winning all those games. He's one in five against Ohio State. He's one in five in bowl games. So yeah. I do kind of get it. Yeah, I mean his record against top twenty-five teams is like oh for his life until this season. So it's not enough for those guys to be able to beat the Illinois and the Michigan States when they're right. down and you know that kind of stuff. Like that, they want to beat Ohio State. If they go out and get blown out by Ohio State this year, which I will predict, I've already said it. Give me OSU by three touchdowns in the shoe this year. I mean, the talk will start up again. You know, it'll be right back like Michigan flash in the pan last year, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that, unless they can get an elite quarterback. Do you ever, I guess I meant to bring this up during the San Francisco part. Do you ever, do you ever remember hearing the Peyton Manning story? No. Because we were talking about how, you know, kind of some of his odd behaviors in terms of recruiting. But the only time you recruit, as an NFL coach is when you've got a free agent that you're trying to bring in who maybe has some other teams that are looking at him as well. Right. Yeah. Bring him in for a visit, chat him up. So when Peyton Manning uh, had his neck surgery, he missed that whole season. And then the Colts were like, Hey, we have to draft this kid and, and move on. And they worked out whatever they worked out and the Colts released him. And Peyton Manning is trying to figure out where he's going to play. Right. So the story goes that San Francisco is one of the teams that, that he was looking at. I think they, by this point, I think they had let go of Alex Smith and they maybe weren't a hundred percent sold on Colin Kaepernick. The story is that they, they brought, they flew Peyton Manning out to kind of, you know, Hey, here's the facilities here's what we're doing. Talk to the coaches and Harbaugh wants to play catch. <laughs> he wants to, you know, and, and Peyton Manning has come back from this career threatening neck surgery, still rehabbing and maybe hasn't worked his way all the way back yet. Harbaugh wants to have a catch because of course he does. And apparently they're throwing the football around They're like the practice facility or whatever. And Harbaugh makes a comment about, you know, how, how he thinks he maybe has, still has a stronger arm than Peyton Manning does throwing the football around. (laughs) 
<laughs> Shocker. I just, I remember hearing that story like at the time and then reading about it a couple of years later. Cause, and it just, it struck me as such, it's like a Jim Harbaugh thing to do. Oh like, yeah. Everything in life is some sort of like dick measuring contest or competition. <laughs> and, and just like zero tact, like, how are you going to get this dude to come play for you? Like, unless you don't want him to, I guess that's a quick way to turn him off. But I just, I get this vision in my head of Jim Harbaugh to practice field, just, you know, throwing seeds at Peyton Manning and be like, come on, you know, give me, give me your best shot. And, and since you've just had surgery and you're right. And Peyton Manning being like, I'm going to go somewhere else. <laughs> and he does, he goes to Denver and he throws like for 5,500 yards and 50 touchdowns that year and wins the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, and then the Niners go eight and eight. Let's play catch, and by like, the way, your arm sucks. Yeah, that's sort of Jim Harbaugh in a nutshell. And maybe that's why he never got a, a top-level quarterback at Michigan. Maybe. Maybe maybe he did all that shit with a bunch of high schoolers. They're like, nah, I'm going to go to Oklahoma instead. What would you expect out of Michigan next season? Like, does nine and three seem, like, realistic or reasonable? With everything nine they're and- losing, nine and three seems like a, you know, very real possibility. Right. I but, mean, so most places, nine and three, that would be his fifth nine win season in, in eight years. I, like I said, I'm going to say it. I think it was a flash in the pan this year. Yeah. <laughs> like, I I don't think he's going to be able to sustain that level of success because I don't think he recruits well enough to do that. I think he was, you know, lucky and caught the Big Ten on a down year. And, you know, teams that weren't supposed to be any good turned out to be somewhat good, like Michigan State. And Iowa turned out to be pretty good, better than most thought they would be. You know, they won 10 games this year, stuff like that. I mean, Wisconsin had a down year. So, I mean, him beating Ohio State is an outlier. That ain't going to happen very often. Well, well, it is because I think that happened to just be a favorable matchup. Yeah. It's in the snow in Michigan. (laughs) Right. Against an Ohio Ohio State team that is is trotting out their worst run defense in probably six years. Yeah, easily. And they had been, you know, just gutted the last two years from the NFL. You know, they don't have a Chase Young type dude. But anything less than double-digit wins is a letdown for them at this point. Now you've given the fans a taste of playoffs and all that, and you got there and you got blown out. So... (laughs) I don't, I don't know. It's either take the next step or if they take a step back, then. Right. Do you think it depends more on his overall record or the Ohio State game? Because uh, like, if they went 9-3 and three and won the Ohio State game, he's fine. Yeah. But I think if they yeah, went 10-2 and, and, and just got wrecked, like I think they're going to. Yeah. Like, I, I think, because I think Ohio State's going to blow them out. Um, yeah, I do too. And I, I feel like uh, unless that's the only game they lose. Like it almost doesn't matter what his record is, other than that, if he gets embarrassed. Yeah, now put if him at one and six. Yeah, I mean, if it's something like a, <laughs> like what Ohio State did to Michigan State this year, like yeah. forty nine to zip at halftime. Yeah, he might be gone at halftime. But I don't know. Too early to tell. We'll see what he does. But I, I don't think they'll be as good this year as they were. I think they're a bit of a flash in the pan. So. But that's, of course, assuming he's still coaching there. He may that's not part be. of the reason I think he might move on is because I think he realizes he, he might only have one year left at Michigan anyways. Like, un- unless he thinks he can replicate 11-1 and one in a conference championship, I don't think anyone expects him to be able to do. And not just replicate it, but like do it year in and year out. Right. So, I don't know. I just, 
It's a tall order. <laughs> I think this past season feels like enough of a flash in the pan to to most people. It may even include him. He might want to consider getting out while the getting's good and, and leave on a high note because I think it really is all downhill from here for him. I agree, hundred percent. I don't know. We'll see what happens though. But man, a lot of interesting facts. Harbaugh. <laughs> yeah, interesting guy. Uh, yeah, no kidding, man. Interesting probably isn't the word that you use most often. It's probably strange or weird or whatever. But yeah, he, he and he is a strange dude. But but what I did take away from from reading up on him is he's been he's won a lot more games than than I guess I realized. And you know maybe not always the the ones he wanted to win or the best ones or the right ones. But you know if, if you're a struggling team, uh, you could do a lot worse than bringing him in because he's he has a history of getting things turned around uh, and leaving them better than he found them. And most teams that let him go slide right back downhill. So, or maybe not let him go, but that he leaves. You know, <laughs> yeah. Stanford did it. San Francisco did it. You know, very real chance that when his time at Michigan is up, that they will too. So, mm. we'll see. Man, that'll be interesting. Michigan goes back in the toilet after they fire Harbaugh. Whew, man, I hope that doesn't happen. I, th- I think football's better when Michigan's actually good. But yeah, yeah, yeah I think they're one of those teams. Bad as I hate to say it, I, I hope he stays there. And plus, it you know gives us more of a chance to roast him when he does something stupid. True. So. Yeah. I, well, and that's why we're doing this now. Is that we, yeah. yeah we got to talk some shit about the guy while we know we can. <laughs> well, we'll find a way. Regardless, yeah. we'll we'll make a segment. I'll I'll include him. I don't care. I ain't scared of that. Fair enough. Ah, uh, well, I, man, I enjoyed that. That was great. A lot of interesting facts on him. Well. Uh, we're going to do a few of these uh, this offseason. I I could think of a couple of guys right out of the gate that I would like to do, a couple of characters, but I don't, I mean, do you have anybody off the top of your head that you really want to do? Um, I have a tentative list of uh, ones I was going to bring up that, so uh, the Kellys, the the coaches Kelly, Brian and Chip. Um, oh yeah, yeah, Chip Kelly's got to be on the list. I'll I'll be... Like I might have to take a couple of shots of whiskey before that show because I'm gonna <laughs> might need to mellow out. Uh, Dan Lanning and Billy Napier are uh, two guys who are heading in their first year at a Power Five head coaching position. I thought maybe uh, a little on the unknown side. That yeah, we might be, be able to, to throw at. those throw those two into one episode and just kind of because yeah. I don't know shit about Lanning. Like if he, if he walked down the street, I would not recognize him. I don't know that I would either. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, those those guys I think would be an episode. Uh, another pair that I, Lincoln Riley and Lane Kiffin, might be uh, inter- interesting to take a look at. Now, these guys are all up in pairs except for Mike Leach because oh, he needs yes. all the airtime. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, he's absolutely getting an episode. Deep dive on Mike Leach. Ooh, baby, that will be... Oh man, I'm getting and, excited just thinking about that. Yep, and <laughs> there are there are two guys that uh, who have a history of a really successful football teams on the field, and b uh, some some really just head scratchingly stupid decisions off the field that uh, you know kind of some colorful pasts, uh, and that would be Bobby Petrino, ooh, and and Hugh Freeze. Uh, Man, we do need to do some deep dives on that. You can find some good, bad, and the ugly there. If yeah, I, yeah, I, if I like, if I could stomach giving Urban Meyer some some 
<laughs> some time on the air, I would include him in this list. But given that he's not a college coach anymore, and I doubt he'll ever be a coach anywhere again. No, he might be a, like a volunteer OC at his kid's high school or something. That's about all he's getting. I'm not sure they would let him on campus, but I don't know. We'll see. But uh, that I think that's going to wrap us up for this show. We've gone a little bit long on the on the Harbaugh action here, but um, you guys can find us on Twitter at South End Zone Pod. We are part of the Pigskin Podcast Network, and we'd like to thank them and our corporate sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. And we will be back with you next week. See you then. Thank you very much. Have a great day.